Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for finding Whitehall Sources. Before we get stuck into the politics for you, a quick message from the resident. These hotels, like their choice in podcasts, are exceptional. Whether you're travelling for business or leisure, at The Resident, you're offered the best rooms, prices and advice for your needs as well. We are so thrilled to be brought to you in association with The Resident, who have proudly backed us since day one. When we're booking a stay in London or Liverpool, it's The Resident we head to and it's The Resident you should head to. To find out more, click residenthotels.com. Prime Minister and I have made a promise to the British people to stop the boats. And whilst, of course, we are disappointed with the decision today, we will be putting in an application to seek permission to appeal the judgment very, very swiftly. The system is rigged against the British people. It's as simple as that. Hello and welcome to Whitehall Sources. I'm Callum MacDonald and we're recording on Thursday, the 29th of June. Thank you very much for being with us on the podcast. Everything feels a bit summery um, today, it has to be said. That's primarily because I'm just back from a lovely holiday, um, which I realise isn't like me. Uh, Kirsty Buchanan joins us, as always. Uh, Kirsty was a special advisor to Theresa May when she was Prime Minister. Hi, Kirsty. Uh, hello. Have you... <laughs> Are you OK? Did that, did that catch you by surprise? Yeah, it did a bit, sorry. That's okay. You know, I was, we've only been doing this I was every contemplating, week. I was, I was contemplating why there was some dental floss on my desk. Right, okay, fine. And, uh, not that I wasn't fascinated by what you were saying, Callum, sorry. <laughs> it's going to be one of those episodes. Um, I note, Kirsty, in our pre-recording chat, you haven't complimented my tan, so... You can feel free to do that now have if you, you can see. Have you got a tan? Excuse, I spent a week. white? I, I spent a week lying on the beach in Portugal for this. Nice. This This glow. Uh, it's, it's difficult getting a tan. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult getting a glow as a, as a Highlander. 
that's it's yes, really quite you problematic. Look, you look fabulously off-white. Well done. Well, thank you very much. Since we last spoke, um, I had a 30th birthday party as well, because we had last week off the pod because I was lying on a beach. And uh, But the week before that, I think it was just before my birthday party, did you enjoy the birthday party? I enjoyed your birthday party very much. You had some good. lovely friends. It was a lovely pub and... Uh, a marvellous afternoon was had by all. So it was really nice. Don't, no, not I at left. all. Thanks I don't for know if there. it got shabby later on. I left in a, it was, uh, it's before sort of, it, it, <laughs> it got a bit drunken. I think, well, I think the shabbiness, um, it did get shabbier as the evening went on. And then sort of quite late, you kind of look around and you're like, mm, there's not that many people here now. Maybe I should go home too. <laughs> uh, so I did. Uh, anyway, so that's us uh, over the last couple of weeks. Thanks for being here. It's lovely to be with you on Whitehall Sources. Of course, this is the podcast that brings you political analysis from those who have lived it and breathed it, from those who have been advisors and special advisors and have been in number 10 and indeed in opposition as well. We love to hear from you. Thanks. We had a cu- quite a few tweets actually this week saying, where are you? Where are you? Well, we're back. Don't worry. Uh, you can email anytime. Hello at whitehallsources.com is the email address to get in touch. Right. We are going to start today with Rwanda, which I, if you remember, Kirsty, in phase one of Whitehall Sources, the podcast, uh, back, in, back in the Oscar Red Drop days, the wee heart Boris days, or at least Oscar Hart Boris days. Um, we, t- we were talking about the, the Rwanda uh, migration plan, or the Rwanda asylum seekers plan is probably more accurate, uh, way back then. And we said then, this is going to rumble and rumble and rumble. And here we are today um, with the latest twist in this. So the government is now going to appeal against a court ruling, which was announced today, which said that plans to send asylum seekers to Rwanda are unlawful. So at this stage, it's Court of Appeal judges who say that Rwanda has not provided enough safeguards to prove that it is a safe third country to which asylum seekers can then be removed. The Prime Minister's responded. He says he fundamentally disagrees with the ruling. And so now the government's going to challenge this in the Supreme Court, which I think, as a starting out point, was probably quite predictable. I think we all kind of expected it to just progress its way through the various courts. Um, and now the Supreme Court hearing, well, best bets are not before the autumn. So it drags on even more. Yeah, I mean, uh, there is some uh, benefit uh, in as much as the Supreme Court is the ultimate arbiter in Britain. And now that we are not in the European Union anymore, it, it can't just rumble on ad infinitum. So the Supreme Court ruling... Uh, will be the final say in it, but but when that is, uh, given the fact that we have a relatively looming general election pencilled in possibly for next spring, uh, begins to make things pretty problematic in terms of uh, your policy. Now, the Rwanda policy is a central platform in one of Rishi Sunak's five pledges to stop the small boats. And... uh, the ruling today, to be more specific, it's not uh, against the principle, uh, it's against the destination, in mm. essence. What they're saying is that they are not convinced that Rwanda can offer the safe haven for uh, those that have legitimate refugee status. Um, so, you know, we've had one court ruling uh, for the government, one court ruling for the charities that brought uh, a claim against the government, uh, and it goes to the uh, Supreme Court. But yes, I mean, uh, I think the government a while back was saying, you know, the first planes will set off in the summer. Mm. Uh, and I remember thinking at the time, good luck, as they say, with that. And, <laughs> you know, so it's come to pass, it will just 
run and run this mm. one and you know the longer it runs you know the less likely it is that that key pledge will be met i think you're you're in right in any to way ha- shape or form having said that though yeah. but sorry honzo having said that though even if you know the ruling had gone with them today rwanda only has the capacity to take um you know a few hundred people it doesn't have the capacity to take the sorts of numbers of people that are coming over on small boats in any event so there is still a you know, a large gap, if you like, a policy gap between Rwanda and mm. actually really cracking down on that. And, the, and there's a kind of cross your fingers and hope point here that that actually that, that alone will be enough to deter. And I, I'm, I'm not convinced by that either. I was thinking before we recorded today that we quite often have been returning to Rishi Sunak's pledges that you mentioned there. And I was thinking, are you know, from a, from, from a production editorial point of view, I was like, are we doing that too much? And then I thought, well, no, actually, we're not. Because what the Prime Minister has done is given a metric by which we can measure his successes in the run-up to the general election. And this is the latest, well, difficulty that he's having with fulfilling said pledges. Um, And I think that's really interesting because it comes on the back of real difficulty with inflation, people's mortgages as well, which is another one of his pledges. And so in the big picture of things, when you're starting to measure against those pledges, and we will continue to measure against those pledges, he could find himself in in real difficulty. And I think with the Rwanda uh, policy in particular, uh, just a few days ago on the 26th, at the start of the week, um, £169,000 per ticket is, is how much it will cost to send people to Rwanda and that got kind of a lot of attention as well um, highlighting that if uh, if all 11,000 arrivals this year were sent to Rwanda which clearly is a bit of a stretch but that would be 1.8 billion pounds that was that would be spent on sending people to Rwanda and so you're starting to get this whole I suppose difficulty for for the Prime Minister for Rishi Sunak in terms of actually how possible are these things that he's that he's set himself out to achieve yeah, I mean, uh, just to pick up on the figure first of all, it's not a zero-sum game, though, is it? Because we're spending True. something insane like £7 million a day or a week, I forget, on 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 housing people that are, uh, that are, that are coming over and seeking uh, refugee status. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a costly thing to, to, to tackle in, in no matter how you do it. I do have much more concern about whether... You know, look, if you're going to put, you know, your loved ones, your children, your wife, you know, your parents on a small boat and risk your lives to get over to this country, mm. the idea that the thought that you may be sent to Rwanda in the event that your application fails uh, would deter you. I just, I'm I'm not buying it. Yeah. Um, you know, you're putting a lot of store on one thing that, you know, a may not actually start to roll out before the election, and B in its own right, I just don't see it as being, you know, a fundamental deterrent. But look, I have enormous amounts of sympathy for this government. You know, uh, let us remind ourselves that no prime minister, probably since Margaret Thatcher took over in '79, has faced a greater amount of you know, political crisis, parliamentary party crisis, uh, an economic crisis than than this government. And, you know, 
one of the things that you've you've obviously got to say, you know, is I'm going. I am to be trusted in trying to unpick this mess, mm. uh, and I've listened to the people, and this is an end of all this, you know, conserv- ridiculous conservative psychodrama. And I'm, you know, I'm going to get down and deliver for the people, deliver what the people want, which is, you know, falling waiting lists and, you know, a better, you know, stronger economy and, you know, falling inflation. You know, and an end to small boats. Uh, I forget what the fifth one is. Um, but these are massive, massive challenges. Any one of these uh, would be difficult. Any one of these is subject to all kinds of external forces which are beyond the government's control. And so, therefore, uh, you know, they were always going to be, you know, an absolute, you know, Herculean kind of uh, effort to, to hit any of them. Now, you know, has he overpitched? You know, we shall see. We are, you know, we are still some way out from an election. Um, but I th- as I think I've said before, even if you can point to a set of figures that go, oh, I said I would do this and we're on the right track, and I think we're probably in the territory of on the right track now rather than we have achieved, if it doesn't feel like that to people, mm. um, then it doesn't matter what the figures are. I mean, if, uh, uh, you know... If the waiting lists fell from 7.2 million in the NHS to, you know, 6.9 million by the election, would that make you feel any more confident about, you know, the state of the NHS at the moment? Would it make you think, you know, uh, I mean, look, I have a, you know, a serious medical condition at the moment. Am I concerned about that when I, you know, I'm seeing for myself what the NHS is like and how exhausted people are? Will I feel any more confident if I know that, you know, there's only 6.9 million people waiting? No, I won't. Mm. That's the truth. Just to pick up, actually, on a couple of thoughts, because I think that's that's important, Kirsty, what you've said there about, you know, at what point do you feel reassured that progress is being made? Um, I think, first of all, just to mention what Rishi Sunak's um, five pledges are, uh, having inflation, economy growing, debt falling, NHS waiting lists and small boats. Those are the top the top five. And I think when it comes to the uh, immigration question or the immigration situation, it is noticeable, isn't it, that there was, you know, there was um, the High Court judgment, first of all. This is the Court of Appeal, which was split, actually. It was split two to one uh, in terms of whether the uh, Rwanda policy could go ahead. And now we go on to the Supreme Court. And so it's all about whether this will be a measurable success at any point and whether he does stop the boats. Uh, by sending people to Rwanda. There was an interesting kind of political question about all of this as well, which is a classic, but let me put it to you anyway. Uh, some commentary suggesting that this is the exact outcome that Suella Braverman might, might want, because now she can point to judges as, you know, getting in the way and stopping the will of the people and all these sorts of things. Classic. Uh, are judges running the country? Is there, a, is there an odd... Are, are, are judges at odds with elected politicians here? Is there anything to, to read into that? Well, uh, as part of a defender of a liberal democracy, which is founded on a number of principles, one of which is a free and robust press, and another which is the independence of the judiciary, far be it from me (laughs) to suggest uh, a certain bias amongst them. Uh, I mean, look, it's interesting. David Davis, the former Home Secretary, I think, had a debate or has a debate this week in the House of Commons about what, you know... uh, uh, politicos would call lawfare, which is basically using uh, the law to advance a progressive left agenda. 
Um, but there is a problem here for the Conservatives in this. You know, they used to be able to blame the EU. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they used to be yeah. able to say that that we would be able to you know, tackle immigration and, and get on top of uh, illegal immigration were it not for the you know those pesky you know Euro bureaucrats and the European Court etc etc and everything went to appeal and it took years and years and years to rumble through uh, because of of the lawfare of Europe if you like well we don't have that anymore mm. we have a British judicial system uh, the Supreme Court is the ultimate arbiter of law in this country it is a British court so uh, that is what we. Uh, voted for that is what we have secured uh to take control of uh, to coin a much used phrase <laughs> forget the money bit of it but our laws and our borders we mm. now have control of them um uh so it's a bit hard i think to start to shift it to ah oh, well you know we'd have done it if it wasn't for those pesky lefty lawyer types um uh, because you know it is quite literally an independent judiciary, and it is a and it is a reading and an interpretation of the law. Uh, and as you say, you know it's not. You know the thing with the law; it's a bit like economics, really. You know, mm. it's not it's not a science. It's not two plus two equals four. It's it's an interpretation, um, uh, and it's uh, it is that which you know uh, the judiciary studies. You know, and works hard for years and years and years to be able to apply everything that you know to interpret the law to the best of your ability. Um, and, you know, I think it's a little bit rich, if you like, to, mm. to turn around now and say, well, you know, this is the problem or that is the problem. You know, your policy is the problem, yeah. you know, because it's not, uh, you know, it's not legal proofed. Yeah. Um, you thought it was and it and it isn't. Uh, and I don't know anybody that didn't think it wasn't going to get challenged in the courts, and I didn't know anyone that didn't think it was going to get a rough ride when it got challenged in the courts. Mm. I just want to read this from the Times, just by way of context, because um, I'm aware that we talk about the Rwanda plan, and perhaps you're not familiar with exactly what it means, but it, the bill would uh, change the law so that people who come to the UK illegally through a safe country are not allowed to stay. Instead, they'd be detained and removed either to their home country or a country such as Rwanda. But as we've alluded to, um, we're still awaiting the first flight to take off. Such is the legal back and forth in all of this. Um, I also wanted to mention Rishi Sunak's uh, response to all of this. Uh, he said, While I respect the court, I fundamentally disagree with their conclusions. I strongly believe the Rwandan government have provided the assurances necessary to ensure there is no real risk that asylum seekers relocated under the Rwanda policy would be wrongly returned to third countries, something that the Lord Chief Justice agrees with. So he's pointing to that split that we've mentioned. He says, Rwanda is a safe country. The High Court agreed. The UNHCR agreed. Uh, the UNHCR is the High Commissioner for Refugees of the United Nations. Uh, the UNHCR agreed. Um, uh, their own refugee scheme for Libyan refugees in Rwanda. We will now seek permission to appeal this decision to the Supreme Court. And this is interesting. The policy of this government is very simple. It is this country and your government who should decide who comes here, not criminal gangs. And I will do whatever is necessary to make that happen. Is there the... Is there the glimmer of a kind of almost election messaging effort in that, do you think, Kirsty? It is this country and your government who should decide who comes here, not criminal gangs. Can you play on that electorally? Yeah, 
Yes, and and look, you know, there's a there's a there's an interesting distinction here. He is talking about fundamentally disagreeing with the ruling, as opposed to impugning the motives of, of the judges that have ruled against the the government's position. Um, and I think that's an important thing to say. You can disagree with the judiciary, uh, but what you can't do is is impugn their motives behind coming to the decision that they have. He's also right to point out that actually. What you know, the shorthand of this is that the ruling uh, is based on a technicality. Mm. It's not based on the principle that the government is putting forward here. That people that have entered the country illegally, that have come through other safe countries that they could and legally should have claimed asylum in, uh, can be deported. That is, the principle is not up for dispute here. What mm. is up for dispute here is is whether Rwanda can correctly claim to be. Uh, safe for those that are that are sent there so those two things are are right now what he's trying to do here is is a kind of strain every sinew message you know Mm. um you know he's right there is nothing compassionate about criminal gangs loading people onto boats um and there are no easy answers for how you tackle this. Uh, you know, I absolutely think that we need more safe routes, but safe routes in their own right, you know, safe and legal routes in their own right would not stop people coming over the boats. Um, so there are no particularly easy solutions to this. So he's he's working on the straining every sinew, which is fine, except that what he sets out in his priorities is to deliver. Not to try, but to deliver. And that is the platform that he set himself. These are your priorities, Mm. and I will deliver on them. And I don't think... I mean, look, if it was, you know, not 13 years of the end of a fag end of a government, if we hadn't had... You know, if we weren't all buck sick of years and years and years of, you know, Tory psychodrama, (laughs) you know, if we still had a you know, a threatening Labour leader like, you know, a divisive Labour leader like Jeremy Corbyn rather than, you know, a kind of centrist like Keir Starmer, you know, then this kind of straining of a sinew might get some credit and some kudos. But but ultimately, at the moment, people are fed up of politics. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're fed up of people promising things and not delivering on them. They're fed up of the Conservative Party. Um, And, you know... Whilst, you know, frankly, at the moment, what choice has he got but to do this kind of tough talking, I'll, you know, do whatever it takes. Uh, it is the delivery that matters here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will be that that he's been asked to be judged by. And it is that that, amongst so many other things, but it is that that he will be judged by. You know, bottom line, you know, when we get to the election, Labour will be able to say, you promised to stop the small boats last year, you know, X thousand, tens of thousands came over a record high or whatever, uh, and you have yet to send a single plane load of people to Rwanda or, you know, wherever we are. But it seems very hard to be able to say that, you know, we will get to such a stage by next year that he'll be able to say, I told you I'd stop small boats (laughs) and look, I'd stop small boats coming over. Mm. I just, you know, it it strains credibility for me. Uh, So it's a kind of, it's a fallback position. Um, and it's, you know, it's broadly speaking kind of red wall messaging. But the other issue here is that, you know, you know, other things have taken priority now, you know, um, and, uh, you know, people care, 
you know, increasingly care about other emerging things that that whilst you are trying to tackle them, there aren't in your five pledges. So, you know, if you're trying to afford uh, to rent, uh, you know, if you're, you're worried about your mortgage, that's all part and parcel of squeezing inflation, and I get that, but it's very hard for people to make that leap between squeezing inflation mm-hmm. um, and rising interest rates. Uh, and I listened to uh, Rishi Sunak get interviewed over the weekend... Uh, and he was asked repeatedly, repeatedly, you know, he was pushed on this issue of rising interest rates. And, you know, it is a necessary evil uh, to squeeze out inflation, which is in itself the biggest destroyer of of growth and wealth in this country. Uh, but nevertheless, there was a, you know, he was... <sighs> He was rather reticent to to accept and own the fact that that has real world consequences for people. Mm. Um, and if your priority last year might have been small boats, I'd be very surprised if it's anybody's priority this year. It's like holding on to my house for it. Yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and explicit and explicitly, uh, that is not addressed here. Um, and it's interesting that you're beginning to see uh, some, you know blue water opening up between Labour and the Conservatives. You know, Keir Starmer has... And and this obviously comes from their own focus groups and their own polling. Keir Starmer has long been banging the, you know, the the anti-social behaviour, the criminal drum and promising safer streets. Safer streets is one of his, you know, infinitely more woolly mission statements, (laughs) but um, which have, like, zero cut through. Um, But, you know... that is clearly a consequence of, of, of people living in communities where they're fed up of uh, antisocial behaviour and, you know, just day-to-day crime. And the other is around housing. You know, he's prepared to say and can say, look, we're quite happy to, you know, open up the conversation about building on Greenbelt because not all Greenbelt land is beautiful land mm. um, because we want to be able to provide the homes that we need. And Rishi Sunak can't promise the same thing because his own backbench MPs won't let him. Um, so there is some interesting areas beginning to open up there. But, you know, again, you know, Labour's going to have, uh, you know, a terrible inheritance if it wins the next election, you know. Yeah. Uh, oh. We're unlike, we, you know, we're not going to have solved backlogs in the NHS or, you know, uh, the, the sort of inflationary pressures of, you know, a post-COVID mm. world. We're not going to have wiped out the debt that we accrued by, you know, supporting the country through COVID. So it's going to be very difficult uh, for Labour too. And I just, Mm -hmm. you know, they need to be mindful, uh, you know, of how much they promise because, you know, that will sour on them quite quickly too. Yeah, it is. It's, it's absolutely fascinating, and I, I saw somebody who was being just particularly cynical, saying, "At what point do the Tories just, you know, burn it all to the ground and say, look, 'Look, we're going to lose the election anyway, so let's just make things as bad as possible, so that it makes it impossible for Labour.'" And I, th- I think that is overly cynical and probably unhelpful. Um, but you know, there's an interesting thought there, isn't there? That what, what you know, the inheritance next year might might be truly grim. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think might is 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 not you know the word <laughs> yeah, here. I think it, you know it will be truly grim, mm. and it's not you know. And again, uh, you know, to stress, this is not for want of the you know of the of the government trying here. You know, Rishi Sunak is a incredibly hardworking, mm-hmm. decent, you know, incredibly bright guy who genuinely wants to do right by the country. I you know I have no doubt about that. 
and I don't, you know, I don't have a, you know, a doubt that, that Keir Starmer wants to do right by the country too. But, you know, there is, you know, there are some pretty intractable problems at the moment that require, you know, years of, you know, transitional fundamental change. And they've all come at the same time. And the ability to be able to deliver on any of those in a time frame for a general election, I think, is, is for the birds. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Now, far be it from us to advertise political party conferences, but one of the major political parties is heading to Liverpool in 2023 for theirs. Hang on a minute. Whitehall Sources is brought to you in association with The Resident, excellent hotels in exceptional locations. Now, I've just been checking and I can actually confirm that The Resident has one of its excellent hotels in the exceptional location of Liverpool. Phil, who stayed there in February, says the location is perfect for shopping, restaurants, pubs and clubs, all within two minutes walking, and yet the hotel itself was very quiet. That sounds ideal for politicals for party conference, or if you're on a leisurely visit to Liverpool, for example, stay at The Resident. To book your stay, click residenthotels.com. mentioned a few moments ago, Kirsty, Tory psychodrama. And so let's turn to the latest chapter in this particular volume, shall we? Uh, because also today, Thursday morning, uh, a new report around Partygate, but more specifically looking at those who were coming out in support of Boris Johnson when uh, the Privileges Committee of the House of Commons found that he had in fact lied to the House of Commons uh, and allies kind of rallied around him. Uh, and so the Privileges Committee took it, took it on then and said, well, hang on a second, because now you're questioning the integrity of this Privileges Committee. So they pulled together this uh, special report. They have named 10 supporters who they say frustrated their work. Uh, reading from the Times, the committee said its Tory members were targeted particularly heavily, as was Harriet Harman, the senior Labour MP who chaired the inquiry. The report found that Boris Johnson's allies, including Jacob Rees-Mogg, Nadine Doris, and members of the House of Lords had wanted to stop the inquiry, quote, coming to a conclusion which the critics did not want. And the committee uh, referenced tweets and media appearances by Conservative supporters of Boris Johnson. Oh. <laughs> is, that a, is that a particularly loud vehicle at your end, I think, there? Is that Nadine Doris coming oh, to... Oh, it's, it, it's the main streets of Worthing again, it's like, you know... <laughs> 
Uh, I'd like to say there's a chapter of Hell's Angels up the road, I don't know. <laughs> uh, in any case, assuming that isn't Nadine Doris trying to stop the podcast recording, uh, I did just want to mention, Jacob Rees-Mogg is in here, and he was doorstepped today. Uh, here's what he had to say. I'm actually going to church because it's the feast of St. Peter and St. Paul and the Holy Day of Obligation and I would encourage you all to do the same and then I shall be at the test match which I'm looking forward to. And with that he got in a taxi and he was off. Um, John Nicholson, who is an MP, an SNP MP, quote tweeted the video uh, from ITV News, excuse me, and he said, quick reminder, today is a working day in Parliament. There goes Jacob Rees-Mogg too. Well, a church service and then to the cricket. I wanted to talk about this. I mean, the, the, the sort of the psychodrama of, of the Conservatives is honestly quite difficult to keep a, a track of. But there's quite there's a couple of interesting things here. One is the fact the committee felt that it had to do this, that it had to point out that there were people who were really critical of the work that it was asked to do by MPs. And there's such a there's such a circularity in this discussion because it is MPs now criticising MPs who were critical of MPs who were charged by MPs with getting this report into Boris Johnson done in the first place. So there's that. Yeah, it's getting more meta than Gogglebox, Honestly, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's kind of terrifying. But I just wonder if the kind of broad principle here is that the MPs are so intent on attacking each other that we're all just getting thrown around all over the place and distracted. You know, what, oh, what just, actually is going you know, on here? And actually, is it a distraction or is, is this a serious thing that we do need to pay attention to? Um, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's both. Um, yeah. Uh, funnily enough. So, it, look, it all feels, you know, uh, again, sort of, you know, incredibly, on one level, incredibly self-indulgent when people are worried about, you know, paying their rent, paying their mortgages and, uh, you know, the rising cost of living for, you know, for more uh, circular firing squad activities by the Conservative Party. And I wouldn't be entirely surprised if I... Walks into number ten, find all like you know Rishi Sunak's aides all banging their heads in frustration against the desk because you know you're trying to grapple with big things here mm. and uh, you know again you look up and you've got you know conservatives taking chunks out of each other um, in a in a very very self indulgent way. So so on one level yes it's a really really unhelpful distraction. Uh, on another, when I'm going to, you know, uh, climb up on my liberal democracy pompous high horse again, there is actually a very fundamentally serious point here. You know, mm. we are in a world and have been for many years of increasing division within society and a coarsening of public discourse. And, you know, two of the people involved in this, Nadine Doris and Jacob Rees-Mogg, not only are MPs, but they also have their own talk shows on television mm. so they have a considerable platform uh, from which uh, uh, there should be some considerable responsibility that comes with that and it's back to the point about you know the prime minister talking about the judiciary he can fundamentally disagree with them without impugning their motives and it's the same thing here what we've got is you know you're perfectly entitled in free speech uh, to disagree with the findings of the committee. Fine. Mm -hmm. uh, where we get into very dangerous territory is if you start to impugn the motives of those within the committee, uh, partly because it just feeds into this uh, cheapening of, of discourse, but partly because it, you know... <laughs> You know, it, it you know potentially it poses real risks to the people that you're targeting here, and I think that's why 
the committee has come down so hard, came down very hard on uh, Boris Johnson with a 90-day suspension, which obviously, you know, was never enacted because he stood down. But that's why his suspension recommendation was so long, uh, in part because, you know, he had chosen to, in their in their eyes, sort of incite this uh, kind of backlash against the committee because they made a finding that he disagreed with. Um, you know, we need to be able to disagree with each other as a society uh, w- without uh, impugning and raising the stakes in a potentially dangerous way. And if we can't look to our own MPs to model that sort of behaviour, uh, then I, you know, th- then we're in some serious stuck as a country, I think. What do we make of Tim Shipman, uh, who I know we've got a lot of... I'm, I'm a huge Tim Shipman fan. He's chief political commentator of the Sunday We Times. heart Tim Shipman. We heart Tim Shipman. We can yep, add yep. him into the club. He's a legend. And he's always, always so good at just being thought-provoking. Here's a couple of his tweets in light of this uh, report today. If MPs criticising MPs for criticising MPs is a thing, they're going to be mighty busy every year. Uh, he says about the Privileges Committee. Um, he describes politics as a, as a rough trade. Um, and I suppose one of the other things that I want to pick out from this, uh, this is saying the committee should be above criticism, which is ridiculous. And I think actually those are some really good and interesting thought-provoking questions because... The process exists to hold MPs to account and you should be able to, as you say in free speech, comment on that and pass comment on that. But I suppose uh, what you were saying can be right and what Tim Shipman is saying can be right because because these MPs are being kind of held to account, Jacob Rees-Mogg, Brendan Clark-Smith, Nadine Doris, whatever. They're being held to account for actually fundamentally undermining the committee rather than just simply disagreeing with it. Is that is that the nuance here? Uh, yes, it is for me. I think, yeah. I mean, uh, far be it for me to uh, part ways with Shippers on this. Mm. Um, because obviously in the lobby, he's known as Shippers. We all were known as, you know, we all had nicknames what were you? that what were you? worked to a greater or lesser degree. I was Buckers, obviously, because my name is Buchanan. So, uh, so it was all, you know... <laughs> Uh, you know, David Wooding was Wooders, and Shippers was you know Tim Shippen was Shippers, and I was Buckers, which didn't didn't sort of ring quite as as easily as Shippers or Wooders or whatever, but you know, or Chopper or. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was all it was all very public schoolboy, isn't it? You know? um, but yeah, I, I, I hate to. <laughs> um, uh, and then Jacob Rees-Mogg could take time out from his work to come and watch us play, couldn't he? Um, uh, to, yeah, slightly catty aside. Uh, I mean, it seems to be what he does. Seems to be what catty. he does. So you know. Yes, don't don't let your day job get in the way of sport. Um, exactly, nice bit of cricket. Uh, yeah, look, I've I've been so busy making a sideswipe at Jacob Rees-Mogg, I forgot my thunderbolt. Oh yeah, no, so, the, the yeah, look, I, look, I, yeah. I, I disagree slightly with him on this. You know what? Uh, you know, what they're saying is not that, you know, that this committee should be beyond uh, reproach. What they're saying is that this committee shouldn't be actively undermined mm. and this and the members of the committee shouldn't be put potentially at risk by inflammatory accusations about the motivations that drove uh, their decisions. I mean, this wasn't kind of soft spoke. Yes, and politics is a rough trade, but it is mm. not, you know, the job of politicians to make it rougher. 
you know, it's not. Um, there is a line, you know, there's always a line. There's always, uh, you know, what is acceptable parliamentary language and what is not acceptable parliamentary language. One of the reasons you have the committee is because you need to have a committee to police MPs. Who else is going to police them? Not yeah. you or me, you know. The behaviours of MPs have to be policed by their peers, which means other MPs. And you have to, if you start by saying, as Boris Johnson did, well, I respect the committee and I will, you know, I will engage with it fully and, you know, and then you, you know, spit the dummy because it, it comes up with a conclusion that you don't like. You can't then turn around and say, oh, well, it's because, you know, uh, this was a kangaroo court and it was because mm. they're all out to get me. Infamy, infamy, they've all got it infamy. Um, uh, because that's just a very dangerous road for for politicians to walk down, right? Mm. And it, you know, and it's actively, you know, it actively undermines democracy. And it's not a kind of pompous point, um, you know. And on top of it being potentially dangerous from that point of view, it's just a, such a turn off for voters. I mean, you know, I don't. You know, I, from that point of view, I do see the point of like, you know, we look up and so and so is slagging off so and so, and they're claiming this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I'm just like, it's like a bunch of children, while we're sitting here trying to, you know, we're worrying about grown-up stuff like paying our mortgages. You lot are all, you know, fighting like ferrets in a sack still, and it, you know, there is just such a disengagement with all politicians and all politics now because the psychodrama just continues, and it has for me increasingly the qualities of the dying days of a major government where you know every mm. time you open your paper you know somebody else has done something stupid said something stupid you know fallen foul of x y or z right and you just you can't move forward for being dragged down by uh by this like i say circular firing squad that the conservative party has become right and you know when the aids when 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 rishi sunak came in um, uh, you know, the aide said to the party, look, unite or die. I think it's, you know, we can all see now, um, A, why they said that, and B, the choice that, you know, individual MPs have made within the party to, to go their own way, to, you know, to throw the rest overboard, to try and salvage their own careers, whatever, mm. whatever, right? Mm. But But ultimately, you know, all this is going to do is just, you know, turn more and more and more voters off and just go, you know... There's a lot of talk about Labour winning by default. Well, you know, all Labour needs to sit there and do is go, you know, we're not this lot. You know, yeah. it's time for a change. You know, it couldn't get any worse. That is the territory we're in now. And I am surprised that no one yet has attached those two dreadful words to this government uh, that I feel sure will be attached at some point, which is lame and duck. Um, because, you, you know, you just, you can't move forward and there's a sense of entropy uh, and disintegration about the whole thing, and it and it and it increasingly feels like that. And that's not to say that that translates necessarily into a you know landslide. And it's not to say that there isn't still a, as we say, a landing strip for a conservative government. But you know, I've seen the polls. We've all seen the polls. Mm. They're consistent and they're brutal. And every time you know one of this psychodrama rears its head again, they just get worse and worse for the conservatives. You know, it's, it fascinates me on a regular basis that we started this podcast back in October, wasn't it? October last year, October 2022. 
and we have done this is our you're listening to our 42nd episode and so many of the themes that we started the podcast talking about on the 13th of october is the first episode last year are still very apparent today um you know and have intensified i think that's the other thing about it isn't it that kind of circular firing firing squad that was a phrase we were using months ago and here we are they're still wrapping themselves up in knots um, about each other and pointing at each other. It's ju- it just fascinates me that here we are months on, and that is the way it is. Um, Kirsty, thank you very much. Great to chat to you. Thank you. What else are you up Anything exciting for the rest of the day? Well, um, I've got lots of work. It's in Westminster. It's the you know you know it's the it's the party season. Oh yes, uh, it's upon us. Um, uh, so at some point, I've got to work out. Uh, what glad rags and I use that <laughs> title very very loosely uh, that I will pick up off my bedroom floor uh, and wear to a party tomorrow so oh, that exciting. probably could do with going through the wash um, uh, so yeah I mean you can I mean literally at this time of year in Westminster you could probably go out and you know uh, pretty much every night in the, in the week to really? a different party Why was uh, but those those of us you know knocking on a bit uh, like to say, get a bit more easy, and uh, you know, go to the ones that you know are really important to me. So that's nice. Get ready for that. Uh, I'm off to have a work meeting. I'm back on Times Radio breakfast Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, after my holly bobs, so I have to go and work out. <gasps> you oh. said the word <laughs> for shame. Holly bobs. Uh, what it feels like to get up at ten past three. It's when my alarm will go tomorrow morning, Friday morning. That- that's your punishment for saying that. <laughs> uh, thank you, Kirsty. Great to chat to you. And thank you as well for listening. Please make sure you follow and subscribe uh, to the podcast, depending on what platform you're using. It'll either say follow or subscribe, so do your thing. We're on Twitter as well, at Whitehall Source. There's not enough letters for Whitehall Sources. It's very boring. But you can find us if you search Whitehall Sources. <laughs> uh, and we that's will... we bring the source, Callum. <laughs> that's that's right. why. Exactly. Uh, we're here every single week. Uh, and so we will speak to you again next Thursday. <laughs>